One man was interviewed and he said he lost over $2 million in stocks that he invested in Enron. If you were to lose your financial future, would you also lose your peace of mind? The CEO of Enron, Kenneth Lay, and other top Enron executives, they were still living high on the hog in their nice, plush Houston neighborhood. Lay's home was the entire 33rd floor of a Houston high-rise. In fact, the former CEO still enjoyed golf over at the River Oaks Country Club that cost $75,000 a year just to belong to the country club. Kenneth Lay still had some peace of mind, didn't he? Even though all those Enron stockholders didn't. But then old Kenneth Lay was indicted. And he was convicted on 10 counts of security fraud. And just three months before his sentencing, Kenneth Lay dropped dead of a heart attack. Lay left behind a legacy of shame, of mistrust, and of mismanagement. And since then, Kenneth Lay has been ranked the number three worst CEO in all of American history. I wonder if old Kenneth Lay has any peace of mind now. You know, there will always be times when we don't have peace of mind. There will always be things in our lives that come against us that keep us from having peace of mind. We can list dozens of things to try to steal your peace. Think about them. Family problems, marital issues, problems with our children, work problems, financial worries, uh, car worries, health problems. Listen to this one. Lightning striking your house. Lightning struck our house this last week, y'all. Yeah, and I'm living right. But it's funny how one thing has perpetuated into another thing, into another thing, and it's tried to steal my peace of mind this week. But you know, even the Apostle Paul at times did not experience a peace of mind. He said, the Lord opened a door for me to preach the gospel, but I still had no rest in my spirit. In other words, I still had no peace of mind. Now that kind of surprises us because we think that Christians always ought to have some inner peace, no matter what happens. But Paul admitted right here that during this time in his missionary journey, he had no peace of mind. I don't have to tell you that Christians do experience stress. Can I get a testimony? Christians do experience worry. I know we're not supposed to, but we still experience it, don't we? We know that Christians do experience pressure, the pressures of life. But I want you to know that our faith in Jesus Christ should make a difference. Amen? 
And listen, it can if you will let it. Your faith in Christ can make a difference if you will let it. So what do we need to have peace of mind in a stressful world? How can we increase our peace? In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I want to share with you a, a little narrative and show you how Paul was able to find peace even in a stressful situation. In 2 chapter verse 12 of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit. Because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed from Macedonia. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And listen to this. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we, that's you and I, we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death, leading to death. And to the other the aroma of life, leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For friends, we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but of sincerity, but as from God we are speaking in the sight of God in Christ. The first thing that we need to increase our peace, are you ready for this? Let me rephrase the question. How can we increase our peace? Are you ready for this? I am too. We need a grateful heart. Did you hear the first thing Paul said after he acknowledged that he had no peace of mind, that he had no rest? What did he say? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Philippians 4, Paul was writing to some other believers and he said, don't worry about anything. But in everything, with prayer and petition, get this, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And listen to this. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, you'll have peace of mind when you have a grateful heart. Did you hear me? You'll have peace of mind when you have a grateful heart heart. When we complain all the time, all you do is increase your problems. When you complain all the time, all you do is elevate the stress level in your life. But when we praise God for the good things in our life, we increase our peace. I read about one sermon that had three simple little points. The three simple points were this. God is good, God is generous, and God is gracious. Therefore, you can put your trust in him. God is good, God is generous, and God is gracious. If you don't take anything else out of this sermon, you take that with you home. God is good, God is generous, and God is gracious. Therefore, you can trust God. We do need to be reminded of these things about God. But what do we do? We have a tendency to focus on the negative things 
in our life. Instead of all these wonderful benefits, these wonderful advantages that we have being a child of God. You know what? If we're honest, we'd have to admit we all complain far too much. Don't raise your hand, but just nod your head if you complain too much. Amen? We all do it. But do you know what complaining indicates? And I'm probably worse than any of y'all, okay? But do you know what complaining indicates? Here it comes. Spiritual immaturity. You trusted the wrong person. If you're complaining all the time, you don't really believe that God's got control of your life. You don't really believe that God has given you benefits of being a child of God. That God has poured out advantages to you being a child of God. We think that criticism and complaining are privileges. But that's not the case. In the reality, all complaining does is destroy our peace. And listen to this one. Our complaining angers God. How do you know, Bill? In Numbers chapter 11, Moses wrote that God's people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when God heard them, his anger was aroused. I wonder if God ever gets angry at us. Instead of thanking him constantly, instead of thanking him daily, instead of thanking him hourly for his goodness, for his generosity, and for his grace, what do we do? We complain. We complain. I read about some kids that decided they were going to play a trick on Grandpa. Grandpa was taking a nap, and they went and they sprayed his mustache with bug spray. Well, Grandpa woke up, and he, he said, something in his house stinks. And then he went to the kitchen. Something in this kitchen stinks. And he went outside. He said, man, the whole world stinks. But it wasn't the world that stinks. It was Grandpa that was stinking, amen? How about with us? Uh-huh. If we're complaining all the time about what you ain't got and what you don't have and about everything and about everyone, maybe there's something wrong with us. If you're complaining all the time, maybe we need to park in front of the mirror for a while and find out. What's wrong with us? One lady said to her preacher, you said ain't 24 times in your sermon. Ain't ain't a word. And the preacher said to her, well, what did I say before I said the word ain't? She said, I don't know. He said, well, what did I say after I said the word ain't? She said, I don't know. She said, well, if I didn't say ain't, you wouldn't have heard anything in my sermon. Some people focus on one flaw. They focus on one thing, and they miss all the good things. Peace is often destroyed. Why? Because all we focus on is the problems. 
Peace is destroyed. Why? Because all we focus on are the negative things and not the blessings. We don't focus on the positive things. We focus on the negative things. And that principle also applies to how we view people. Uh-oh. We look at a family member, a friend, a brother and sister in Christ, and boy, we are real quick to point out the negatives, aren't we? Totally ignoring the wonderful things that God has done in their life. And friends, I want you to hear this real clearly. If all you do is focus on the negative, do you know what you're going to find? The negative. And if you're all the time focusing on the negative and you find the negative every time, you're going to lose your peace of mind. Philippians chapter 2, Paul wrote, do everything without complaining, without arguing. Why? Listen carefully. Why? So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation. You are never going to make a difference in an unbelieving world if you're griping and complaining all the time. You'll never make a difference to a lost and unsaved world if all they hear from you is whining and complaining. Instead of complaining, we need to start focusing on God's goodness, on his generosity, on his grace, on his love, on his patience, on his forgiveness. That's a thankful attitude. And friends, it ought to be evident in every one of our lives. People ought to be able to point to you and say, she belongs to Jesus. How do I know? Because she never complains. He never complains. So we need to focus on what we do have and not so much on what we don't have. If you just look at what you do have, would you agree that it's a lot? We've all been blessed. We just need to count those blessings. And we need to give thanks. And listen, if you give thanks, not only will you be better for it, but guess what? You're going to feel better for it too. You'll be better and you'll feel better. Just by giving thanks to the Lord. And if you are better and you're feeling better, guess what else you're going to get? A lot more Peace of mind. So to increase our peace, let us have grateful hearts. But let us also acknowledge that we need a sense of significance. We need a sense of significance. At the end of verse 14, Paul said, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are saved and among those who are perishing. Friend, can I tell you this morning, you matter. You make the difference. You smell good. Amen? Why? Because you have the fragrance of Christ among those who are saved 
and among those who might be perishing. Amen. You make a difference. I read about a man who walked into a restaurant in a strange town. The waiter came up and asked for his order. And he felt kind of lonely and he said, well, I guess I'll have the meatloaf and a kind word. And so the waiter came back a little bit later with his meatloaf and he said, well, where's the kind word? And he whispered down in his ear and he said, don't eat the meatloaf. <laughs> Amen. Listen here. What do you live for? What are you living for? Are you living for yourself? What you can do, what the flesh wants to do? Or are you living for something greater? Something greater than yourself. Perhaps the Lord God himself. Perhaps someone else. You know, it never takes me long to find somebody that's greater than me. Amen? I didn't have to say that. Every now and then, I find somebody that's greater than me. Amen? With everybody I ever meet. It's incredible. God put us here for others. God put us here to speak a kind word. God's put us here to, to do a kind deed. God put us here to shed light on the goodness of God. You ought to be that reflection of the goodness of God. We need to know that our lives count for something now. You don't have to wait to get to heaven for your life to matter. Your life matters now, here, now. We need to know that our lives are important to other people. Important to others for them to have some peace of mind. See, when you're a blessing to somebody else, it brings peace of mind to you. Did you hear what I said, church? When you're a blessing to somebody else, it brings peace of mind to you. 2 Corinthians 2.14 said, Now let us, thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph. Victory in Jesus, praise God, amen. Victory in Jesus and through us spreads to everyone in every place the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. You know, when you're spreading that good fragrance of Jesus around, man, it just can't help you but feel better. You just feel better when you're doing things that honor the Lord. In other words, don't stink like the world and you'll feel better. Amen? Don't stink. Feel better. I like that, right? Instead, smell good like Jesus Christ. Smell good. Have that good fragrance of the Lord. Paul knew about this. Paul knew that his life was not only important to God. Paul knew his life was important to other people. So what about you? Do you know? Do you know how important your life is to other people? Do you know how important you are in the eyes of God? You know, if something isn't, if somebody isn't saying something positive about you to you, or about your life, something like, you know what? I need you in my life. You know what? I thank God for what you've done. I just want you to know that I need you to pray for me. If those things aren't occurring in your life, something's probably wrong in your life. Because you ought to know 
People ought to know who you stand for. If you only exist for yourself, friend, you are going to be miserable. No joy, no thrill, and no peace. But if you live for other people and you do things for other people and you minister to other people, then you will certainly be blessed. Blessed and you'll receive peace within. One poet wrote this, Is anybody happier because you passed his way? Does anybody remember that you spoke to him today? Can you say tonight in passing with all the days that slip so fast that you helped one single person or that poor man that you passed? When you leave somebody's presence, are they happy or sad? When you leave somebody... Do they feel better that you're gone? Or do they feel worse that you're gone? We all need to think about the fragrance that we spread. We all need to think about the fragrance we leave behind. Is it the fragrance of Jesus Christ? Galatians chapter 6 tells us, Therefore, as we have opportunity, do good. Say do good. Do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Friend, when you leave here this morning, other brothers and sisters in Christ ought to say, I wish you wouldn't go. I wish I could hang out with you a little more today. And you should be able to say the same thing about them. You know, Ben Franklin said, when you do good to others, you do best to yourself. When we bless others, what are you doing really? You're blessing yourself. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, said in Proverbs chapter 11, a generous man will prosper, but he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Why not make it your goal to refresh other people in your life? You know, that's the significant life. That's living a life that makes a difference. Refreshing other people in your life. So to increase peace, we need a grateful heart. But we also need that sense of significance. We need to know that we make a difference. And I'm here to tell you, church, every one of you make a difference if you just let Jesus use you. But we also need to know something else. We need to know our destiny. Verse 16, to one we are the aroma of death leading to death. You know, when some people know that you're a Christian, it makes them wonder what's going to happen when they die. Death leading to death. But to others, you are the aroma of life leading to life. To another Christian, I know that I'm going to see you in heaven. You're going to see me in heaven, amen? Life leading to life. 
and who is sufficient for these things. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity. But as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ Jesus. One legend says that St. Peter processes applicants to heaven in a very unique way. Here's what he does, according to this old legend. He gives each person a piece of chalk, and he points to that big ladder over there, and he says, climb up the ladder to heaven, and with each rung that you climb, you make a chalk mark on the wall for every sin you've ever committed. And then you go to the next rung. About an hour later, a man was actually coming down the ladder, and the angel said, didn't you make it to heaven? And he says, I don't know, I'm just coming down for more chalk. <laughs> Amen? If this were true, some of us would need more chalk than others. Amen? And I'd probably be at the top of that list. Amen? <laughs> Y'all are smart. Y'all are good. Y'all are good. But praise God. The blood of Jesus Christ provides all the forgiveness we need to wipe away every chalk mark. No more chalk marks for you, my friend. No more sin. Blessed indeed we are. Romans chapter 4 says, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven. That's you. Blessed are they whose sins are covered. Friend, that's you. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Friend, that's you. Blessed indeed. You know, if the Lord held any sin against you, you'd never make it to heaven. If the Lord held even that one little white lie against you, you'd never make it to heaven. There'd never be any hope for heaven if the Lord held it against us. But praise God, he does not. He does not hold our sins against us. When it comes to our salvation in heaven, it's not about what I know. It's about who I know. It's about Jesus and him alone. All, it's all because we know Jesus Christ and have a personal and life-changing relationship with him. If you got that, you got what it takes to go to heaven, friend, and erase all those chalk marks. It's who we know that gives us the assurance of heaven. Verse 14, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. In Christ. Friends, we serve a triumphant Savior. He has won the battle for you. He has won the triumph for you. He triumphed over sin for you. He triumphed over Satan for you. He triumphed over death for you. And if you allow him, he will triumph over self for you. Brothers and sisters, I'm not worried about the end of my life. I may worry about how I get there, but I'm not worried about where I'm going to end up. Why? Because of who I know. Because of who I know. It's not that I know me. It's that I know Jesus Christ. I will never do enough good to warrant me going to heaven. I'll never warrant uh, enough forgiveness of sin. And because I belong to this all-sufficient Savior, I can know that my sin won't keep me out of heaven, ever. Why? Because I trust Jesus. And I try the best I can to walk with him and to live for him. 
to yield to his will and to do his work, his way, for his glory. What about you? Are you sure? Are you sure? Friend, if you're not, you can be. Today, you can be. Do you want to increase your peace of mind? You can. It only comes through a continual trust in Christ. Do you want it? Have you thought about it? Have you struggled with it? Do you want it? That old song that says, trust and obey, is so true. Trust Jesus and obey his will. And you can have heaven as a sure thing for you. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.